Bring the love of Wisconsin's outdoors in through the beauty and quality craftsmanship of Pella Windows and Doors. Lock in your prices by February 28th and get 0% interest for up to 48 months. Visit PellaWI.com. Certain restrictions apply. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Live. Old National Bank. Get old. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Did you hear Mike's news report? China is furious. They're furious that the United States shot down this balloon. Now, of course, this is the same balloon that China originally came out and said, oh, it's just a weather balloon that has gone off course. It has nothing to do with the government at all. It's a private weather balloon. Okay, well, China is now furious that that weather balloon that they lied about turns out to be a, a relatively sophisticated spy surveillance balloon that apparently had self-destruct mechanism as well, and they're furious that the United States shot that down. Well, okay, may, maybe China needs to look inward, and their outrage, I'm sorry, I'm, this is one where it's kind of like cry me a river. And as I said yesterday, regardless of how you feel about whether or not they should have shot it down at all or whether they waited too long. I think the one clear thing that's out there now is, first of all, you know, given our $850 billion defense budget, we, we should be able to detect these things when they start coming into U.S. airspace. Secondly, regardless of whether you feel Biden waited too long or did the right thing or whatever, I think it's reasonable to say that we need to have a policy now that maybe once you first pick up one of these surveillance balloons, I'm sorry, these weather balloons that are starting to drift, you know, over U.S. airspace like in Alaska, maybe that's when you take the thing down. Just saying, as opposed to letting it go all the way across the country and whether you want to argue that this particular response was appropriate or too late or whatever maybe moving forward we should just send a message say to china hey next time you invade our airspace with a weather balloon i mean a sophisticated spy you know balloon just know this is the same thing that's going to happen but it's going to be shot down right away just saying china is furious give me a break all right let us get started. Lots of ground to cover on today's program. Uh, yesterday, we spent a lot of time talking about the murder of the Milwaukee police officer, fifth Milwaukee police officer killed in the line of duty in just the last couple years. I There's a couple aspects of that story that I want to discuss. It's kind of a follow-up. First of all, predictably, after the details started to emerge, you had a number of city leaders who, who came out and they, they had various statements about it. Now, everybody is, of course, I think, uh, appalled at the death of the police officer. Everybody except one person who sent something on Twitter to me, and I'll share that with you a little bit later on. But, you know, everybody is talking about how the level of violence in the city of Milwaukee is, is unacceptable. Here's, here's what Cavalier Johnson, the mayor, says. It's on all of us to make sure that in individuals who are out there who would cause incidents like this, death, harm, and destruction, that we keep an eye on them, that we inform them that they should put their guns down. Okay, no no problem, you know, with that. Uh, the entire Common Council says we ask for community members to pray for peace. Well, that's not working out well. For a stop to the normalization of gun carrying and or the gun culture and for an end of senseless violence anywhere and everywhere in our city. 
Uh, the Milwaukee County Executive, David Crowley, says, We must gather every resource available to address the gun violence plaguing our communities and prevent anything like this from happening again. The Milwaukee Bucks and Pfizer Forum put out a statement that says it's long overdue for needless gun violence to stop and for legislative action to take place on real gun safety measures. All right, so you get the idea. Everybody is saying the same things that they say every time we have one of these horrible incidents. And I'm sure everybody is sincere, but I'm not hearing concrete stuff to make the city safer. So let me wade in as a starting point. There is no question that you have way too many guns in the wrong hands, right? Can can we start that with a premise? Because I I know there's lots of law-abiding gun owners. I happen to be one of them. It it would never occur to me to take the firearm that I've owned for over 40 years and and use it to go rob a 7-Eleven. I'm not going to do that. There's so... You know, if you want to talk about one thing that concretely we can do, it's okay. Let's first of all, let's focus on the people who should not have guns in the first place. Right. Because that's a starting point. If you can stop people who are criminally inclined from either getting guns or from using the guns, automatically you're going to have a huge stop in gun violence. Because like I say, the vast majority of law-abiding gun owners, they are they are not the problem. So what do you do with the people who shouldn't have guns that have them in the first place? And by the way, I understand what I'm going to say now, I don't think would necessarily have stopped the 19-year-old from getting the gun that he used to shoot the police officer yesterday. But this is a, a start in the big picture. Let us start with the premise, a law that we have on the books, which is felons are not allowed to carry guns, right? That's that's one of the starts. Once you have been convicted of a felony, you are not allowed to carry firearms. Yet when we talk about murders, when we talk about shootings, when we talk about gun crimes, what percentage of those gun crimes are committed by felons? 50%, 60%, 70%, right? And these are people who are already not legally permitted to have firearms, yet they have firearms, okay? Doesn't it make sense that as a starting point, if you want to say, okay, what can we meaningfully do starting tomorrow? to try to reduce the incidence of gun violence. And I understand, you know, big picture, you want to talk about all the societal causes and things like that, about, you know, why people are turning to crime in the first place. But wouldn't the easiest thing to do as a start be to simply say, those people who are not legally allowed to carry firearms now, we are going to, we're going to drop the hammer on them when we catch them carrying firearms. I, I talked about that story at the Chick-fil-A in Glendale, for goodness sakes, last Friday. you got a road rage incident that's going on. Somebody's a hit and run. Somebody else pulls out a gun. Turns out he's a felon in possession of a firearm sitting in the Chick-fil-A, you know, waving the gun around. Okay, he shouldn't have had the gun in the first place. Yet, people who are felons who are not legally allowed to carry firearms, they do because they're not, wait for it, afraid of the consequences. So here's a starting point. Republicans in the state legislature, Governor Tony Evers, if you want to perhaps give us a start, change the law on felon in possession of a firearm to provide for a mandatory minimum prison term of, I don't know, pick it out, two and a half, 
three years, whatever. If you are a felon and you are caught with a gun, regardless of what you do with that gun, you know, if you're committing a more serious crime, you've got a greater penalty. But if you are a felon and you have a gun, you are going back to prison or you are going to prison for two years, three years, mandatory minimum, no parole, no exceptions, no pass go, you know, no collect $200. And as a starting point, then I understand that might mean we need to build some more prisons. But as a starting point to deal with gun violence, isn't it a good step to simply say, all right, the people who are criminals already, who are not legally allowed to have guns, if we catch you with a gun, this is the first price of poker. You go to prison for two or three years. Now, I understand this requires the district attorney's office to prosecute those cases. Because if you've got a felon in possession and they decide not to charge it, well, there's nothing you can do about it. But as a starting point, doesn't this make sense? Mandatory minimum penalties. Let's get the people as a starting point who aren't allowed to legally carry guns. Let's get them off the street. And let's send a message that if you are a felon and you're thinking about carrying a gun, if you do that, you got to know that you are immediately going to jail. Prison, 855-616-1620. How about that as a starting point? Doesn't that make sense? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Look, I, I, I understand that this isn't the perfect solution to gun crimes, but it, but it is a start. Let's identify, I don't know, what, what percentage of crimes of violence, crimes committed with a firearm, shootings, armed robberies, carjackings, whatever, are committed by felons. 50%, doesn't matter. They're not allowed to have guns. So as a starting point, why don't we just change the law to say, look, we're going to make this, this law is going to count. And it's going to be a mandatory minimum three-year, two-and-a-half, pick the time, mandatory minimum sentence for felons who carry firearms, period. You are going to prison. Now, one of our texters correctly points out that as long as you've got a district attorney's office, like somebody like John Chisholm, who doesn't want to send people to jail, that the problem is, you know, if they drop that charge or plea bargain the charge, there's nothing you can do. Well, that's where you need the public pressure to say, why are you dropping the, these charges? But as a start, mandatory minimum minimum prison terms and then put the word out to people who are felons if you get caught with the gun regardless you're not supposed to have a gun you're going to prison and yes i understand it might mean we have to build more prisons for a while but isn't that superior to the gun violence that we have going on regularly bob in greenfield bob you're first good afternoon jeff i i totally agree with you and the thing about prisons we need more prisons i i you know i was monitoring the uh prison on the north side and when i found out it only had 35 beds i almost i almost laughed yeah but you have to you have so many bad people with guns and then you got people the straw buyers i think Mm -hmm. they should have some kind of mandatory like three months but prisons we need prisons we need to be a place where we can put these people so there's a fear of being put away and i i think the police officer getting shot that was inevitable i mean you got all these punks running around with guns shooting at each other i think it was just inevitable and it's it's something we have to turn around now or it's just gonna continue to get worse and worse 
Yeah, Bob. Th- thanks for calling. No, I and I, I agree with you. And, and look, I mean, here for example, here, here's here's one of our texters, and I agree with what the texter says, Jeff. I think one thing that makes the issue a tough one is that any improvements made to societal conditions, mental health treatment, etc., likely won't be truly felt for years. And, and that's correct. There will always be that delay, which also affects effectiveness data. Since that puts us at a disadvantage, I agree with you that m- we must react more strictly on the front end. I- I- exactly. You know, we. Can can have this conversation about more money for mental health, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I am talking about the problem as it exists in early February of 2023 in urban areas in general and in southeastern Wisconsin in particular. And, and my point is, it's illegal for felons to have guns, and yet a high percentage of the crimes that are committed are by people who aren't legally entitled to have guns. So we, we have all this conversation about, well, you know, we need to restrict access to guns and things like that, and, and that's fine. We can have that conversation. But as a starting point, the low-hanging fruit is saying to the people who aren't allowed to have guns, if we catch you with a gun, you're going to prison, period. And you should know that. And we got to put pressure on district attorneys like John Chisholm to then enforce that and send this message out. And, and I fully acknowledge it might take a couple years of mandatory minimum imprisonment to get the message out that we're serious about this. 855-616-1620. Jeff, you need DAs and judges to buy in. No, you need the DAs. The, the judges, you make it a mandatory minimum sentence. Now, they'll complain, oh, I don't like to not have the discretion to do this tough you just tell everybody if you're a felon you can't carry a gun period uh tom from kiwaskum says jeff you hit it right on the head you put away the felons caught with a gun and i guarantee that crime will drop like a rock um yeah i i think i think that's the case as well um jeff agree but i fear the unintended consequences of that would be more shootings they would already know they're heading to prison so they're more likely to fire well I, I don't I don't know that I agree with that, but keep in mind I'm talking felon in possession of a gun. I'm not saying you even have to use the gun, but I'm saying, okay, this guy who's the felon who's at the Chick-fil-A in Glendale, who's waving the gun around in a road raid incident, boom. Yeah, we send him to prison for two or three years. Oh, well he didn't actually shoot anybody. Who cares? You know, we're talking about people who shouldn't have guns who have guns. Uh John on the north side. John, you're on WTMJ. Okay, uh now I agree with you, but my thing is this here. There's too many felons, and felons are afraid of felons. That's why, that's why they, a lot of them carry these guns. But you got a guy that's, you got a person that haven't done nothing in 10 years, and, and, and he, they've gotten married. Uh, they, they, they didn't get arrested for having uh, a gun. It was something crazy, maybe some marijuana or something, but now they're a felon. So, I think they should be pardoned. Those ones that haven't done anything, the ones that's doing it is the ones that these judges is letting out. That's what happened with, to the police officer. They let that yeah. man out when he shouldn't have been out. So John, I, I, I just well, no, I get what you're saying. No, John, th- thanks for calling. I understand, and you're arguing that now, now, Tony Evers agrees with you. And, and so Tony Evers has been on a kick of of issuing pardons to, to felons and for exactly that criteria you're talking about. People who generally speaking, you know, got in trouble early in their life and have turned things around and, and, and that's that's a whole that's a whole nother discussion, I, I guess. And if you're in that situation and you're somebody that did something stupid when you're eighteen years old and you have a felon and a felony and now you're you know thirty five or forty years old, oh okay, that that's fine. 
Um, you can apply for the pardon. But that's not the majority of the cases that we're we're talking about. We're talking about people who are on probation or on parole and aren't legally allowed to carry guns, and they have guns, and they're carrying guns with impunity. I mean, how many times when you see these stories does it turn out to be a felon that's got a gun? And and look, I, I think it's fair to concentrate on this other stuff. How are the felons getting the guns? Some of them are stolen guns, but a lot of them is the, are, is the so-called black market or the straw buyers that our first caller, Bob, was talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm all in favor. Okay, crack down on that. that that's okay. But if you want something concrete, something that we start with, something that is more than just a platitude of, well, you know, we, we want to look to to Madison, what was the phrase, to stop the normalization of, of the gun culture. Okay, that that's that's perfectly fine. It's perfectly valid. It's perfectly meaningless. You want something concrete to do that will start making the streets of Milwaukee safer the minute you put it into effect, mandatory minimum penalties for felons carrying guns, Republicans in the state legislature, somebody should be introducing that bill like about yesterday, and Governor Evers, you should sign that bill as soon as it gets to your desk. Is it perfect? No. Is it a good start? You bet. Yeah, I, I, I say this a lot. I think the general public is so far ahead of, of the talking heads and the elected officials on on this issue. I, I mean, I, I look at, you know, we, we get swamped with, with tweets, we get swamped with responses, with texts and things of the like. And, and I would say 75 to 80 percent of, of the people say, that, that Jeff, what you're talking about just is common sense. Felons aren't supposed to have guns. Let's make sure they get penalized. And the only way you can guarantee that is mandatory minimum penalties. And like I say, 75 to 80 percent of the general public is, is says that that makes sense. You know, where where are the elected officials on these common sense sort of things? Instead, we get the platitudes. Oh, we've got to you know, stop the normalization of the gun culture and things like that. Stuff that I, I it's fine, but it's just meaningless to say that over and over again. It's time for legislators. It's time for prosecutors. It's time for judges to collectively get off their butts and say, we're going to do something about this because we're sick of people dying. So we all know the story. The 19-year-old who murdered the Milwaukee police officer yesterday, we all know that he had been in court the day before and was essentially turned loose, put back out on the street. Um, the, the circumstances, it's just, it's kind of mind-blowing. So 11.25, 11.30 Monday night, the defendant, is involved in a car theft, a robbery on West Good Hope Road, like 20, 37th and Good Hope. Um, then what happens is the cops are looking for him. Fourth District, uh, They apparently what happened is one of the things he stole was a cell phone, and they were able to ping it and find out where he was. So one fifteen Tuesday morning, um, you have police officers who descend to arrest the 19-year-old, 2700 block of South 14th Street. He ignores their orders. He runs away. Officer catches up with him. Struggle ensues. 19-year-old fires a handgun, hitting a second officer who was running to help. He's he's killed. The second officer who was wounded returned fire. So that's that's the circumstances. Now, the dazzling details involve the, the suspect, who is Terrell Thompson, who was killed um, in this incident. He appeared in court on Monday 
in front of Milwaukee County Circuit Judge Christopher D. And Judge D, I said this yesterday, he's, by, if, if you want to look at, at good judges and bad judges in, in Milwaukee County, he is not one of the judges that I would put in the bad judge category. Um, he's been on the bench for like eight or nine years. Before that, he was in the DA's office for about 15 years before that. So that that's kind of his background. Here is the guy that stood in front of him, though, on on Monday. Um, he was He had pled guilty to two counts of hit and run and here's the circumstances behind this he pled guilty to one count they read in the other so the judge could have considered it first case guy called brown deer police january of 2021 after his car was hit by a mercury that ran a red light on north sherman boulevard west bradley road man said he saw a guy run away from the crash with a black backpack um, while talking with the officer, a woman approached, said she was Thompson's mother, said he had fled the scene because he was afraid of a man chasing him, wanted to go to the hospital. Okay, Six months later, he was again arrested in another hit-and-run crash. Woman called Milwaukee police to say an SUV with no license plates had crashed into her at North Sherman Boulevard and West Congress Street. She followed the SUV. Saw it get into another crash near 49th Street and West Hope Avenue. The SUV pulled over on West Congress uh, Street. He spoke with a woman who had been following him. He identified himself as Terrell and and gave her the phone number. Officers then were able to track it down. So they've got him dead to rights on these two separate hit and runs. Last year, he was also the subject of a temporary restraining order. Woman said he was harassing her with repeated texts and phone calls, threatening to kill her and sending her photos of his gun and a gun owned by the mother. Um, The TRO eventually was allowed to expire when the woman didn't show up in, in court to pursue that. So that's the background of this guy. These two hit and runs are misdemeanors. So both carry up to six months in prison as a mac in jail as a maximum. Uh, the judge sentenced Thompson, and they I explained how they, they do this all the time. The, the, the judges, they should go to acting class because the judge, and this is what they do, they sentenced him to four months in the House of Correction. I sentenced you to 120 days in the House of Correction. And then there's a gasp. Oh, you're going behind bars. And then they always pause and say, but... I'm going to suspend the sentence, and I'm going to put you on probation instead. So that's the that's the alternative. Now, that is the background on this, and we talked about it yesterday. I got a handful of people, two actually, who texted me and said, Jeff, you, you shouldn't be too hard on the judge because this is what happens. Nobody goes to jail for two um, hit and runs. That are misdemeanors. Nobody goes to jail for two hit and runs. And even if the judge had decided to send him to jail for two weeks or four weeks or whatever, nobody goes right to the House of Correction. So there's no quite no judge in Milwaukee County would have sent this guy to the House of Correction at all. And no judge in Milwaukee County would have sent him to the House of Correction right away. So it's not fair to criticize Judge D because it could have been any judge. Nobody would have gone to jail for doing this. And I don't know, maybe maybe that is the case. But that then begs the question, and that's what I want to discuss with you. Apart from whether or not this was the standard practice, you got, you got two hit and runs, we're going to put, and you've had a TRO against you for threatening to kill somebody. We're going to just put.
put you on probation and tell you not to do it again. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Now, I understand. Monday morning quarterback, hindsight is easy. If they would have sentenced this guy, even to, if they would have sent him even to the House of Corrections for two weeks, he would not have been on the street in a position to try to boost a car or do whatever he did uh, the other night and then kill that police officer. So I understand that the judge doesn't have a crystal ball to see it and will give the judge the benefit of the doubt and say maybe no other misdemeanor judge would have sent somebody to jail for doing this. But I want to raise the question, why not? I, I mean, seriously, two separate hit and runs. Don't you think that maybe getting hauled off and sent to the House of Correction for 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 30 days, 30 days, and then, you know, finishing the rest of your sentence on probation, give them a split sentence or something like that, wouldn't, wouldn't that make more sense than simply taking these people, sending them back out on the street and allowing them, because obviously there was nothing about this sentence. There was nothing at all that deterred this guy from going out and committing a crime and then later on shooting a cop. Maybe, just maybe, if we started sending people to jail immediately for 30 days, maybe, just maybe, that would be a deterrent. And if nothing else, it would protect the community for at least the 30 days that they're behind bars. 855-616-1620. So for people who say it's not fair to criticize the judge, because everybody would have done it, let's let's take the individual judge out of it. Let's just ask this question. Two hit and runs in the space of, what, a couple months, the TRO for the threatening to kill somebody, doesn't that merit maybe 30 days in jail? 855-616-1620. And if not, why not? We discuss in a moment. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Uh, a couple texters yesterday made the point, Jeff. Don't be too hard on the judge that let the guy out who who murdered, ended up murdering the police officer because you know it was only a misdemeanor. No judge in Milwaukee County would have sent somebody to the House of Correction right away for two separate hit and runs. And and I guess I, I take no position on whether that's correct or not, that the judge would have done it. But my point is, why not? That, that seems to me the definition of, again, crazy. Two separate hit and runs. And yes, it, it's true. The guy also missed various court appearances um, and they can kept continuing his bail. But I mean, again, if you just have some consequences, you're involved in two separate hit and runs. OK, boom, 30 days. Get your toothbrush. Go away. And if, if we would do that, maybe we would at least start to teach people that there are some consequences. Dustin in Sussex. Dustin, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, the thing, the thing I have a major issue with here is that the, with these deferred prosecution agreements, it essentially means that the, the defendant has to do something wrong yet again before any real consequences go into effect. So in order for that 12 months of probation to revert to actual jail time, they have to do something again. And, and oftentimes that means re-victimizing yet another person. So yes. I, I totally agree that something has to change here, especially when there's a, you know, there's a pattern here of multiple hit and runs, multiple missed court dates, um, how many chances are we going to give people before actual consequences are are 
yeah. on the most action. Oh, no. I mean, Dustin, uh, thanks for the call. Uh, right. I mean, every time a judge does this, they are essentially taking the chance. They are rolling the dice with the fact that the person's not going to commit, you know, subsequent uh, offenses. Now, John Chisholm, the district attorney in Milwaukee County, at least till 2024, I mean, he's already rec- on record as saying he's he's willing to do that. He, he wants to bend over backwards to not incarcerate people, not hold people, you know, pretrial. And he recognizes that there will be the Daryl Brooks of the world who come and kill a bunch of people. And he's willing to live with that. Well, my point is, I don't think the rest of us should be. And to the extent that these judges end up buying in on this again I, I don't i don't mean to be too harsh on the particular judge because i don't think judge d again in the scheme of things he's certainly not one of the worst judges in milwaukee county but if this is the policy nobody goes to jail immediately for misdemeanors everybody knows that this isn't going to happen everybody knows that it's going to be a sentence of of probation in a case like this my question is is why and doesn't this case demonstrate clearly the insanity of that because obviously there was no deterrent you appear i mean you want to talk about i can't say the word i'm thinking of on the radio you want to talk about guts i mean how how gutsy do you have to be you've just been in court that morning all right you've been told you're being you've been given a break i'm putting you on probation you know, there you can just essentially get on with your life. You know, you're on probation. All you have to do is not commit another crime. And within 24 hours, within 12 hours, you're out there committing a crime, a, a robbery of a car. And then two hours later, you're you're in a, a battle, a gun battle with police officers and a police officer is dead and you end up dead. But but what a better in what better indication could you have than Whatever we're doing in the misdemeanor courts just isn't working at all. And look, I, I'm not arguing that everybody needs to be maxed out or something like that. But this idea that, well, you know, no judge would send him to jail. And, and that might very well be true. But I'm like, hey, maybe if we started sending people to jail, hey, you were involved in two hit and runs. And in the space of a month, boom, you're going to go do 30 days. And by the way, bring your toothbrush because you're going to go right away. All right. Would, would, first of all, again, if we had done that, you know, none of this other horrible stuff would have happened. Um, Jeff sentenced to community service. If they no-show, then mandatory jail times. Um, you know, Jeff, if two hit-and-runs aren't going to constitute any jail time, then why, why are our fine men and women in blue even bothering to pursue those responsible for hit-and-runs? This has to be the definition of ludicrous. Sign scared anytime I drive in Milwaukee. Well, there is there there is that issue. Now, if you're involved in a hit and run and somebody is hurt or somebody's killed, well, then it becomes a felony. It's a whole different story. But the garden variety hit and run where you slam into somebody's car and then you drive off. And um, I mean, I don't know what the insurance situation is, but we know what happens most of the time. You get hit by the hit and run driver and there's no insurance and there's, you know, and you end up, you know, having to eat it yourself. But but yeah, I think it's a fair question. If this is the standard that misdemeanor judges don't hold people accountable. And let's face it, this this idea of I'm going to sentence you to 120 days in the House of Correction. Pause. Sentence suspended. Don't do it again. It's clearly, I'd say it's a joke, but that would be to insult jokes. So if it's fair to say that 
if it's unfair to criticize the judge for this sentence because no other judge would have have given a tougher sentence, I think that raises questions about what the heck is going on in the entire system because somebody somewhere should be held accountable, and we're sure not doing a very good job of that. Just one final note on on our our discussion. I, I think in the next day or so, you're going to be seeing more come out about the background of the 19-year-old who shot the police officer. And I, I think, you know, there's like stuff that he had up on his Facebook page and pictures of him with guns and things like that. I, I think that the more you see that, the more it, it's going to be questionable about why he was given this particular break and what could the judge have been thinking. But I, I just, apparently that this is what passes for the standard Milwaukee County, that we're not going to hold people accountable. And I'm talking about more about a systematic thing, although I think on an individual matter, the more you find out about this particular shooter, the, the more questionable it's going to be that he would be one that you would single out for a break. I, uh, I, I want to share, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I, I was going through my tweets. You can follow me, you know, on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty, and I, I, I was, I always go through them because I, I periodically I will cull them out, and you'll have people who I just I, I end up blocking because they're just overly nasty or they're obscene or or whatever. So I, every once in a while, I'll I'll read the responses. Here's one that I got, and I'm, I'm not. I don't know why, but I'm not going to identify the person. But I, I was talking about how senseless this is. Here, here's what the tweet says, and I quote, and I still left it up on my Twitter account. It's really sad on both ends. And they were talking about the police officer. But what about when police kill black men all the time, but as soon as a cop gets killed, everybody seems to care? To be honest, I could care less about the police officer. Okay, that's one of the tweets I got. To be honest, I could care less about the police officer. Really, it, it, it this is one of the frustrating things about the the narrative. Here, here's here's actually the numbers. Last year, there were slightly over a thousand people that were shot by police, were killed by police, and the overwhelming majority of these were, were justifiable. But here's the number: three hundred thirteen black people were killed by police in the United States in that year, twenty twenty two. 216 Hispanics, 17 Native Americans, and 502 white people. Now, the rate of police shootings of black Americans is higher than the other categories. But just in in raw numbers, this idea that, oh, the police are just out there indiscriminately shooting black Americans just, just is not true. And the other interesting note that I would send to the texter is if you look at the the murders that, that are committed and the crimes that are committed, and what you find is that overwhelmingly in this country, and I've got the numbers, most recent numbers I have are FBI numbers from 2018, and what those numbers show is, all right, if you're looking at the murders, um, let's see, according to the data, 8% of reported murders of black people were committed by white offenders, almost 89% by black offenders. So if you want to look at, at, at the crimes that are being committed against the black community, murders, it, it's it's by blacks. The other thing is true, the same thing is true with whites. Overwhelming, overwhelming percentage of the murders are white people are committed by white offenders. So I understand there's this desire to try to like racialize this that some people have, but the bottom line is it, it's... 
violence and gun violence is something that transcends the races and trying to say well i don't think i don't care about whether a police officer is shot because you know all these different people are getting murdered by the police on a daily basis that's just flat out not true live from the annex wealth management studios at the avenue it's the jeff wagner show now here's wtmj's jeff wagner Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. I know I'm repeating myself. I know I started out the program like this, but for people who weren't listening, that that, that news report that Mike keeps playing, it, it's, it makes me laugh. China is furious. They're, they're not taking calls. They're furious about this, this balloon. Now, this, of course, is the balloon that China originally said was not a Chinese government balloon. It was a private weather balloon that had somehow gone off course. Well, now we know China was lying. It wasn't a private weather balloon that had gone off course. This was a relatively sophisticated spy balloon that China had obviously intended and apparently had been doing this before. So China is furious that we have shot down this weather balloon. Oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't really a weather balloon. They weren't telling the truth here. This was a sophisticated spy balloon that, by the way, they now think might have had a self-destruct capability on it. And, and my takeaway on this is, again, put if we want to move forward, the, the one thing I think we should all be in agreement with, Republicans, Democrats, conservatives, liberals, is that it is not a good thing to allow U.S. airspace to be invaded by, I don't know, uh, balloons or whatever from you know foreign nations that are arguably hostile to us because that balloon, instead of containing sophisticated spy information, could contain a bomb or something that if you set it off over, again, a, a nuclear facility in Montana, say, you could do incredible damage to the infrastructure of this country. So regardless of whether you think Biden handled it appropriately or inappropriately, maybe moving forward with this 850 B as in billion dollar defense budget we have, we could concentrate on saying, you know what, next time we see one of these balloons that is coming from China or Russia or whatever and is invading our airspace, well, maybe we're going to take it down over some remote area in Alaska or something like that, as opposed to letting it traverse the entire diameter of the uh, diagonally across the United States and, and then you know shoot it down once it gets over the Atlantic Ocean. Maybe we want to stop that before it happens, and maybe we want to send a message. But I, I'm sorry, I just it is comical. China is furious. Okay, well, maybe we should be furious that China was, for whatever reason, doing this and then has the audacity to say that they're upset after they lie about what it was. But that is just me. Okay, last night was quite the show. Now, I want to, in the interest of complete and total honesty, I did not watch the State of the Union live. I had um, I had a life, and, and I went out to, I was out to dinner with a, a number of, my friend and I were out to dinner with uh, several other couples, had a very nice time. So I hadn't seen the, the State of the Union, and I really, last night, I didn't do any research for the show. I got up really early this morning, and one of the first things I saw was uh, uh, the very start of Good Morning America. They had um, their, their commentators who were fawning, 
fawning over Joe Biden. If you watched Good Morning America today, the, the Washington reporters were essentially, you would have thought that this was the second coming of FDR. You would have thought that this is, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. You would have thought that it was that speech. And then they showed a couple of the Republicans that were heckling. And I thought, oh my God, this, I, I'm, I'm interested. Could this, could this possibly be that, that great a, a speech? So, I went back and I watched not all of it, but I watched a, a good portion of the, the Biden speech. And, and yes, I, I saw the, the heckling that went on by the Republicans. I saw the, the, the Biden talking about like Social Security and Medicare and getting the reactions when he tried to, you know, poke the Republicans saying, well, you know, there, there's some of you that want to, you know, end this, which really is, is not true in the big picture of things. But I, I, I watched it. And I had my reaction to it. And I want to give you a chance to wade in. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Like I say, if you watched Good Morning America today, the, the general take from their political commentators was this speech was a combination of FDR at his best, Bill Clinton at his best, Winston Churchill at his best, and Barack Obama rocking it. I'm sorry, I, I didn't see that. I just, I did not see that. I thought it was okay. I thought that the, I, I missed the, the, the yelling out from the crowd. I just, I, 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 Biden clearly was trying to provoke that with some of the things he was saying, but the yelling out from the crowd, that, that I don't appreciate at all. I think that's, that's rude and that is disrespectful. But the speech itself, I mean, I guess I give it a C plus. Some of the commentators are saying, oh, this this forcefully lays the groundwork for Biden's reelection campaign. And I'm thinking, well, I didn't hear too many big ideas. I heard finish the job, finish the job, finish the job. And I'm not sure exactly what the job was. And if I was a president that had a 43 percent approval rating, I think I and was planning on running again. I I'd planning I I'd plan on swinging for, for the fences and coming up with bigger ideas. So I'd say it's about a C plus. Was it a D? Was it an E? No. Was it A? Oh, my gosh, it's the second coming of FDR. Didn't see that either. How would you rate the State of the Union speech? 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. We discuss in a moment. More Jeff Wagner right after this. So much snow. i got to get to work. Hey, Wyatt, how did you get your driveway shoveled so fast? Easy. I just checked the WTMJ forecast when I woke up. That's right, Wisconsin. Before you hit your driveway, listen to severe weather coverage on WTMJ. Presented by Fleet Farm. Proudly serving the Midwest since 1955. Hi, this is WTMJ's Jeff Wagner here to tell you about my good friends at Built Right Furniture, Leather and Mattresses. If you're looking for affordable, better quality furniture or mattresses, you really need to do what a couple of my family members have done. What did they do? They went to Built Right. When you get to the store, you'll find a 45,000-square-foot showroom with thousands of furniture items in stock plus 500 mattresses. This includes a huge selection of USA and Amish-made furniture plus better-quality imported furniture for any size home. Special and custom orders are much faster in 2023. Also, check out their over 50 models of power lift recliners in stock ready for quick pickup or delivery. And now's a great time, great time to get to Built Right as their President's Day sale is on now. And here's a little secret. 
my friend Randy Kay, fourth generation from Biltright. Well, she shares a birthday with George Washington. So it's a President's Day sale and a Randy Kay birthday sale. Say happy birthday to her when you see her, particularly if you're there this Friday. Voted best place to shop. Open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Sunday, as always. Sunday, they're closed to be with family. When you get there, do yourself a favor. Do me a favor. Be sure to tell them that WTMJ's Jeff Wagner sent you to Biltright, 54th and Layton Avenue in Greenfield. Madison liberals want to take over the Wisconsin Supreme Court to impose their radical agenda on us. Now more than ever, we need a proven conservative on the Supreme Court with a record of results. Wisconsin needs conservative Justice Dan Kelly. Dan Kelly is a constitutional conservative who will always protect our rights and freedoms. That's why he cast the deciding vote to end the COVID lockdowns of our schools and businesses. Sheriffs across Wisconsin have endorsed Dan Kelly because he has a record of enforcing the rule of law. One vote is the difference between a conservative or liberal majority on Wisconsin's Supreme Court. That's why Dan Kelly needs your vote. On February 21st, stop a liberal takeover of the court. Vote for law and order. Vote conservative Dan Kelly for Wisconsin Supreme Court. Fair Courts America paid for and is responsible for the content of this advertising. Not authorized by any candidate or candidate's agent or committee. FairCourtsAmerica.org. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. All right. How would you rate Joe Biden's State of the Union address? Like I say, if you watch Good Morning America today, uh, it was you, you would this you would have thought this was the second coming of FDR. Okay, that prompted me to actually, you know, watch the vast majority of it this morning and I I didn't see that. Did I think it was awful? No, but I certainly didn't think it was anything special. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I thought having the Tyree Nichols parents was a cheap stunt. Um, Jeff, I thought the State of the Union was divisive and boring. Uh, Joe was stumbling and bumbling as usual. I think it's clear that he makes America look weak. Jeff, only the GOP say it was a bad speech. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, no mention of the border at all. Jeff, I give Biden a solid B. Didn't come across as the tottering old fool that he is sometimes painted as being. Jeff, I give the speech a C minus. And when are they going to just hold all the clapping until the end? The speech would have been done in half the time. Jeff, I thought he had a little more life in him. Uh, let's see, Jeff, I think the speech was sad and clearly I think he's out of touch. Biden's State of the Union promised everyone everything except a unicorn and rainbows every day. He tried to appeal to everyone by giving everything, never a comment on how to pay for any of it. Um, all right, let's start with George in Chicago. George, you're on WTMJ. Good morning, Jeff. Thanks for our call. Um, Yes, sir. He was rambling, I think. But he brings up this Republican thing about we're going to have to phase out Medicare and and, uh, Social Security. Why is it nobody remembers that Congress took, borrowed, a couple of trillion dollars from the Social Security fund and gave them an IOU? If they paid back the IOUs that they have, Social Security and Medicare wouldn't have a problem. Well, well, they're, and, and they're, that's my Cheryl. Wife. Oh, hi, Cheryl. Okay. Um, so my comment was, I, I did not see Good Morning America uh, today. 
so I can't comment on that. But I did watch the State of the Union, and I thought it was typical of Biden. He gets off uh, on these little uh, rants of his. He mumbled quite a bit. Um, He throws out a lot of numbers, factual, so supposedly, but I think someone ought to fact check because I don't know that they're accurate. And, you know, it's spend, 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 and he's trying to convince us that the economy is doing so well and so great. Where is he living? Because that's not what the average American is feeling right now. And, you know, with the spy balloon, the immigration, he did a very surface um, uh, commentary on all of that. And you know what? It's just I think the Americans are being um, sold short of their own their own smartness as to what, in fact, is happening. So what grade do you give the speech? What, What grade do you give the speech? I would I would give it uh, a C. Okay. She's All right. Good. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for the call. I, give it I, a D. I, I I I appreciate it. Okay. There there you go. Um, let's see, Jeff. I agree with you. Um, yeah. Well, I, again, I don't think it was again the the worst sort of thing, Jeff. The Republicans had to react to Biden saying they want him, that they want to do away with Medicare and Medicaid, and Democrats are constantly saying it. it's a lie, and the Americans need to know it is a lie. Yes, it is a lie. There's no question about it. This is the this is the the great lie that is out there that all oh, those Republicans are going to you know put older people on on a uh, essentially on an iceberg and float them out there. No, what, what's going on, and we've talked about this before, and I understand why Republicans get upset about this. The truth of the matter is that unless we make major changes in Social Security and Medicare, it's going to run out of money at some point in time in the relatively near future. And this idea that you can't even have this conversation about how we are going to fix it and what we need to do to fix it without being accused and, and again, having this hype, that, I think, is a degree of frustration. Um, um, let's see. Republicans simply want uh, Social Security to remain future, solve it for the future, and all the spending Biden was proposing um, jeopardizes this. Um, 855-616-1620. Let's see. Jeff, um, I didn't watch the speech either. I watched the highlights, and Biden told several lies during the speech. I watched Sarah Huckabee Sanders' rebuttal and was very impressed. She had the best line of the night when she said the choice is normal and crazy. I vote for normal. Uh, well, if you watch Good Morning America, she was absolutely ripped that this was this was the worst of Trumpism, except, you know, she didn't end up mentioning Trump. So, um, you know, that's what you've got. Let's talk to Kathy in Waukesha. Kathy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. I'm enjoying the comments. And my comment is, for the people who think this speech was so good, thank the speechwriters. This had Uh, nothing to do with Biden. He can't put, he can't walk a straight line. You know, it was the speechwriters. It was what... but in fairness, I mean, what did you think about his delivery? I mean, I, I thought, I, I, again, do I think this was the sec- com- second coming of Winston Churchill or FDR? No, but I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I thought, I thought he was, I thought it was delivered okay, didn't you? Or not really? Well, but but it it was delivered all right, but for him, considering, but it wasn't his words; it was the speechwriters. Yeah. So if you're going to thank somebody for all these good thoughts, 
Turn to the speechwriters. They're nothing without that. Kathy, thanks for the call. Well, I, I, you could make the argument that that that's that's true of, of a lot of people, and you can also make the argument that when some of the politicians go off off of that that prompter, and, and Biden went off of the prompter a couple times last night. Um, the, the line, what did he say? It was about well, I you know we, we're going we're going to still need gas and oil, which I you know I, the, the, all the Republicans started to clap, and I think it kind of he got this kind of surprised look on his his face that you know. I'm not necessarily realizing, you know, what what he had said, given the fact that he, he's pretty much, you know, drawn the line in the sand, saying, okay, well, I, I want to get rid of gas and oil. That's ultimately my 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 long term objective. He seems surprised about that. I, I do I do want to bring this around. I think the the, the yelling and the shouting. I, I think it's I, look. I, I understand that this is is what you get nowadays, but it. it I don't. I don't think that that coarsening is 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 good for the, this country. I mean, it, it reminded me. It really did remind me of, of what happens if you've ever seen like films of what goes on in the British House of Commons, where you've got the Prime Minister that stands there, and then they have this this question and answer, and they get this going back and forth between the various sides, and that that makes for entertainment. But I'm not sure it's necessarily good for the process. And I, I think you know these these State of the Union speeches are getting more raucous. I. I sort of wonder what the real purpose of these is. I mean, I, I understand back in the day, the idea was you want to have the president of the United States who's out there to inform, you know, the, the, the public. But nowadays in these 24-7 news conferences and, and stuff where, we're, you know, we're informed every day, I, I'm not sure what purpose the State of the Union really serves. I, I thought, like I said, I think it was a C, a C plus. I didn't watch, I, I didn't see the, the greatest speech in the world, which obviously the, the people in Good Morning America saw this morning. I didn't see the worst speech in the world. I didn't see this as something that, oh, my gosh, there's going to be all this excitement if Joe Biden decides he's going to run again. And I didn't see something that's necessarily going to take, if his approval rating is 43 percent, that's going to send this into the stratosphere. It just wasn't that type of event. So very glad to have you with us. I confess I have not seen this TV ad yesterday. I believe it's I've not seen it yet and I, I can't find it online yet. But I know it is running because my dear friends, Jim and Nancy, who live in Seymour, Wisconsin, the home of the hamburger, sent me a text last evening where I was out saying, are, are you are you watching the ad that's being run against Jennifer Doro, who is one of the two conservatives who is running for a state uh, Supreme Court justice? And it's accusing her of being soft on crime. So th- there is this ad. And I, I s- here, here's the story behind this, and I've got a link to this. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. Here's what's going on. This is what the Democrats started doing this about two election cycles ago and really ramped it up in the last election cycle. What they try to do, and you have these dark money groups that are funded by these liberal special interests, and the idea is they want to try to play in well, in the 2022 elections, it was like in Republican primaries. And what they want to do is they try to identify the candidate that they think is going to be strongest in the general election. And then they spend all sorts 
sorts of money trying to slime that candidate in the general in the in the primary. So the weaker of, like, say, the two Republicans coming out, making it easier for the liberal to win in the general election. And so this attack ad that's that's being run right now, if you see it, um, it's put together by this lefty group called Better Wisconsin Together. And they, again, big-time lefty group, they have announced they are spending $716,000 on TV and 112500 on online ads opposing Doro. Not supporting their, their left-wing candidates, you know, Protosewitz or the guy running out of Madison. They're not supporting those candidates. They're trashing Doro in the primary. Why are they trashing Doro in the primary? Because this liberal group wants to see Dan Kelly win. Now, you might ask yourself, well, well, wait a minute. So they're going to spend almost a million dollars trashing Doro so Dan Kelly wins. Um, and again, I, I understand it's a nonpartisan primary, but one conservative is going to emerge and one liberal is going to emerge in all likelihood. So, okay, why are they spending almost a million dollars to try to help Dan Kelly get elected? Well, you've got three guesses, and the first two don't count. It's because this liberal group has decided, I think correctly, in my opinion, that Jennifer Doro is the much stronger candidate. Matter of fact, I think Jennifer Doro, um, if she is one of the top two candidates that emerges from the primary in a couple weeks, I, I think she becomes the odds-on favorite to win the election to the state Supreme Court. And this liberal dark money group doesn't want to see a conservative jurist elected to the Supreme Court. So they're trying to trash her now, say that she's soft on crime, hoping that people who would otherwise vote for Doro will vote for Dan Kelly, believing correctly, I think, that Dan Kelly is the weaker of the candidates. So if you wonder what's going on Again, this group, a Better Wisconsin Together, they're, they're a big dark money lefty group, and they're trying to mess with conservatives here because they want the, what they perceive to be the weaker of the conservative candidates that come out. Will it work? I don't think so. But if you're wondering who is this group and where is the money coming from, again, a very, very liberal group trying to essentially play in the primary to put the weaker of the two conservative candidates into the general election. And that's how that's working. Well, the people have spoken. And this is, its I guess it's, it's a controversy that certainly caught the attention of the local newspaper, although I don't think they're necessarily at least on the same page as their readers in Brookfield. Uh, Brookfield, back in, what was it, December, approved in November. They approved, a, a by a very narrow vote, they approved a planned development district rezoning. That's the, that's the phrase. It's PDD. Planned development district rezoning for a 203-unit flats at Bishop Woods by a narrow vote. It was eight to six, and this would allow um, essentially not this would allow subsidized housing in into this area. I think that one of the things that's going on, and I've heard from a lot of people who are involved in this, is they they feel that rezoning decision was a, a mistake, 
and some of the aldermen really didn't take into all the factors into account. But once they go ahead and approve the changes, at that point in time, there's there's very little that, that you can do once those changes to the zoning have been approved with regard to the lower, the subsidized housing that, that's going in there. Well, one of the aldermen um, has been up, upset uh, about that. And in both arguing about this in November and then at a common council meeting in January that was essentially just a pro forma thing to to go ahead and finalize the approval that had happened a couple months ago, Alderman Chris Seals um, just kind of goes off on this, talking about, you know, why he thinks that this program is such is going to be a bad idea for the like the subsidized or the workforce housing that was going on and this is where he he, you know talked about how you know he he thinks that you should have to you know essentially earn your way into brookfield and if you can't afford these units then you should live in wauwatosa or west Dallas until you can afford to move into brookfield okay so that was that was the you know argument that was made and of course this generated all this controversy and and i guess when i talked about it on the program i, I think there, there's two separate issues first of all the question about whether subsidized housing or affordable housing is in fact you know good for a particular community and then the other question about you know, taking like the the digs at places like west Dallas and things like that um which i thought were kind of gratuitous because there's all sorts of, you know, nice areas in Wauwatosa and West Dallas that, that you can live. Well, anyhow, one of the other aldermen got upset with what the first alderman had said about this and was going to introduce a, uh, a measure which would have censured him um, for these remarks. Now, here's how this all turns out. Um, the censure motion went nowhere because apparently no other alderman stood up and seconded the motion. So it, it, there was never a debate about this or anything. But the really interesting story about this is apparently a number of citizens came to the, the meeting, um, and th- their purpose was to support Alderman Seals for, for what he had said. He also apparently um, got a standing ovation from dozens of Brookfield residents after the motion to censor him failed. And a lot of the, the people who were giving comments about this, you know, said, look, you know, we we actually support, number one, the, the freedom of speech. Here's one of the comments is reported in the local newspaper. We clearly live in an age of cancel culture, bullying and censoring the voice of anyone who gets in one's way. The proposed censure of our loyal alderman, Chris Seals, is clearly an act of such canceling, censoring and bullying, not just of Chris, but also of his constituents. Another guy says, I lived in West Dallas. I paid my dues. I saw the negative influence that was coming into our neighborhoods that was affecting my children. Because of that, we made a conscious effort to move to Brookfield to get away with that, uh, get away from that. Now, of course, the, the trick is the, you, you have to be really careful here because, you know, f- the federal housing laws say you can't discriminate based on lawful source of income. That doesn't mean that communities can't say no to 
for example, low-income housing, but it means that the reason for objecting to the low-income housing has to be based on a non-discriminatory factor, uh, congestion, things like that, whatever the overall zoning plan is. So you can still say no, you just have to make sure you're, you're not doing it for an illegal purpose. Bottom line of all this is clearly there's some issues going on in Brookfield, but I think the bigger question that needs to be discussed is, you know, Moving forward, how do communities handle projects like this? And is there is there a legitimate reason for saying, okay, if we allow this type of housing or that type of housing, will that fundamentally change the nature of the community? And if, if aldermen feel that way, should they have the right to object without fear of being censored? Bottom line is the development's going to go ahead and we'll have an opinion in five or ten years. We'll see whether it was positive. We'll see whether it was negative. We'll see whether everything was put on the table, you know, in advance of this, and we'll be able to make that decision. But at least for the moment, the motion to censure was shot down. When we come back, should communities be able to decide whether to raise their own taxes? Stick around. So, very glad to have you with us. All right, mark the tape on this one. This is, there is at least one thing that I agree with Tony Evers on, and I think some of the Republicans in the legislature are coming around to this. And this is the ability, I think, that local governments should have to increase their own taxes if their constituents say yes. Here's the deal. Part of... One of the big problems, for example, if you look at the city of Milwaukee and Milwaukee County over the years, is there has been incredible fiscal mismanagement. I mean, Milwaukee County, <clears throat> you go back and you look at the, um, just look at the pension scandal and, and all the problems that, that that's caused for the last couple decades. But the truth of the matter is that counties depend on shared revenue from the state, and that revenue has largely been flat or in some cases has decreased over the course of the last couple decades because of the formulas they they use. So you have communities, and again, sometimes this is their own fault because, again, there's been great fiscal mismanagement. But you have communities who are having increased expenses, and we we all know that the prices and things are, are going up, and they're limited at their ability to generate revenue. So one of the things that Devers is doing is, first of all, he wants to increase the amount of the state sales tax, which is kicked back to local communities. All right, I got to think that one through. But the other thing that he wants to do is he wants to allow, for example, places like Milwaukee County, to impose an additional one cent per dollar tax on sales, with half of what is raised going to the city of Milwaukee. Um, So that would be, you'd have to go to the voters, but um, the idea would be if the voters sign off on this, you know, the sales tax could go up, you know, one cent, and that money would then be shared with the city of Milwaukee. And I think a, a lot of politicians think that that would go a long way towards you know, ending some of the fiscal problems the city has. I, I'm not sure it's going to have that big an impact. But we already let communities do referendums, say, on school spending. And I guess my position on that has always been if a, if a community decides 
that they they want to raise their property taxes to do this for the schools or do that for the schools. I, I think that that's to me what democracy is all about. And it's not necessarily for me to say whether I don't know the Sussex School District and whether the voters decide they need a new high school auditorium or not. I mean, that's if if the voters in that school district want to spend money for the high school um, auditorium, for example, I, I think they should have the right to do it. And the voters can say yes or they can say no. Similarly, I, I don't live in Milwaukee County anymore. So if voters of Milwaukee County want to vote to impose a, a 1% per dollar um, increase on on sales tax, and they want to share it with the city of Milwaukee, who am I, as somebody who doesn't live in Milwaukee County, who am I to say no to that? Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. Now, the argument against this is, well, the... Um, the argument against this is, well, they, um, you know, they, they misspend their money and, you know, you can't trust them to do that and they have all this waste. Well, OK, but but again, if you're on the outside, who are you to to necessarily do that? Jeff, taxes. I call BS on voting to raise our own taxes, vote to reduce them, especially property taxes, especially on senior citizens. Look, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you should go ahead and, and vote to increase your own taxes. If I lived in Milwaukee County, I'd, I'd have a pretty strong opinion on this. And I think the argument that, hey, do we want to increase our sales tax, for example, because all we're going to do is generate more money out of the pockets of residents, and that's going to then be, if we believe that the county is not a good financial steward, it's, it's going to be misspent. Okay, that's an argument against doing it. But all I'm saying is, why wouldn't we allow the people of, for example, Milwaukee County, why wouldn't we give them the option to do that? And if they decide to do it, well, well, fine. You know, go, go ahead. That's it. And if they say no, then they end up saying no. Um, uh, Jeff, if I'm hearing you correctly, the one cent per dollar increase would be split half with the city of Milwaukee. Um, yes. Um, yeah, uh, that's... That's exactly what the issue would be. 855-616-1620. Jeff, the problem with that is that 50% plus one get to decide for the rest of the community. They always do the referendums on low voting turnout days. There should be a greater threshold, like two-thirds of a majority or something to that effect. Well, the the thing is, 50% plus one generally speaking is how things are are done in in this country i mean if you you know if you want to look at you know who controls you know do we elect you know who gets elected to the us senate well that's whoever gets 50% of the votes plus 1 assuming that there's only two candidates you know you get the idea that's that's how we just go ahead and decide that so look here's the deal about this entire you know, situation. So, Jeff, I live in West Dallas. Um, so they reset a penny a dollar, and you're seeing the city saying the city of Milwaukee will get half of it. Where is the other half going to the county, or is that going to be split between municipalities in Milwaukee County? My understanding is it's going to the county. Um, but those are, I mean, in questions to be worked out in the referendum. I, you know, if, if this is if this is passed and there's a referendum, trust me. We will have lots of opportunities to discuss this on the program, and you will have lots of opportunities to weigh in on whether you should say yes or no. I'm just looking at this and saying, you know, we, we have, by the way, in the state, they allow other communities to, to vote, you know, to increase the, the sales taxes. And I'm, 
I'm not at all sure that that this would pass. Now, city of Milwaukee, they look at some polls, and when it's just a purely academic thing, the polls tend to suggest that an overwhelming majority of people in Milwaukee County would vote to raise the sales tax. I'm not sure I believe that, but again, you know, we, we do live in this democracy, and if people want to decide to do it, I don't think I don't think we should say no. Again, it's easy for me to say because I don't live in Milwaukee County, but I do work in Milwaukee County, so I would be paying a, a portion of that sales tax on things, including you know big ticket items. If I were to go ahead and you know purchase a car from a dealer in Milwaukee County, and that may be an argument as to you know why. I think you pay sales tax on local sales tax if you buy a car in Milwaukee County, but you get the idea. You buy other stuff in Milwaukee County, you know, you'd have that that option. And then it might very well be that that could, especially on big ticket items, inform a decision by somebody to say, okay, well, I'm not going to make a purchase in Milwaukee County. And that might be an argument as to why, you know, the voters in Milwaukee County would reject the sales tax. I'm just saying I, I think I think it's fair to put that to the people and then let them decide whether the Republicans in the legislature are going to go along with this or not. Don't know quite yet. Hey, Wisconsin, it might be cold out there right now, but soon it's going to be warming up and you'll need to get your home ready. That's why I'm here for the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase presented by our friends at Great Midwest Bank. And this week we're brought to you by Kohler Services Wisconsin. Learn more about what they have to offer at KohlerServicesWI.com. It's the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase on WTMJ. At the risk of being labeled judgmental, can I just say Aaron Rodgers is one strange dude. And I guess I, this latest story, I, I, I put in the label of oversharing. I mean, there's all sorts of things that people do that you don't necessarily feel that you have to advertise them or should advertise them to the world. So if you didn't see the story, here's the deal. He's on the Pat McAfee show, and here's what he says. He says that, okay, he's going to be thinking about his future. So he's about to embark on a four-day isolation retreat which he describes as four nights of complete darkness. You're in all day, all night. Um, Packers quarterback didn't say where the retreat is located, but said he will be in title, total isolation inside a little house that has a slot through which his food will be delivered. He said he's not locked up in the house, and he can leave if he chooses before the night, the four nights are up, which is... I guess what makes it different from the Milwaukee County Jail. You can leave if you can't do it. You can just walk out the door. But Roger says he doesn't expect that to happen. He said this retreat has been on his radar for several years after hearing from friends who have had profound and magical experiences with meaningful breakthroughs. I felt like it'd be awesome to do, regardless of where I was leaning after the season. It's been on my calendar for months and months and months. He said the experience is about sensory deprivation that will allow him to sit with his thoughts um, while adding that it can stimulate DMTs and bring about some hallucinations. I'm really looking forward to it. So he's going to lock himself in a dark room for four days, no light, no other people, and they slip his food through a, a slot in the door. Okay, with this label, the category of, of oversharing, I mean, if you're going to do this, why seriously would you tell other people about it? Wouldn't this be kind of oversharing? Because I, I go back to how I started this. He, he can do whatever he wants. Sounds like it's legal. But at the same time, Aaron Rodgers is just one strange 
dude. And you wonder where he's going to be 10 years after his football career eventually ends. Maybe probably sitting in some, like, his own private island somewhere, you know, with uh, a, a ZZ Top beard or something. Sensory deprivation. Go figure. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Uh, I just, I, I, you know, Greg Matzik had that story that I just talked about right before the top of the hour. I just sent out a tweet. If you want to see this story, I follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. Uh, this is this is my note here, and and I look, I I understand that this comes off as somewhat judgmental, but I'm sorry. This is my reaction, and I'm willing to bet it's your reaction too. So don't don't be a hater here. Rogers is a seriously odd dude. He's going to pay a bunch of money to sit in a totally dark room for four days and get his meals through a slot in the door. He says it might lead to a profound or a magical experience. Again, Rogers is a seriously odd dude. I'm not just, that's, that, that's, uh, I mean, look, I, I am all in favor of profound and, and magical experiences, and that's why that's we take cruises to in the, in the Mediterranean and to Spain and to the south of France. We're looking at a listener trip uh, to those areas. That, that's why there's all sorts of things that you can do to have profound and, and magical experiences. And for me, sitting in a locking myself in a dark room for four days and having them slip meals to me through a slot, I, I don't know what I would describe that experience of being, but I wouldn't think it would be magical or profound. Matter of fact, you know, it sounds a lot like solitary confinement at, I don't know, some of the more secure federal prisons across the country, except in that case, it's not totally dark. You probably got a light bulb at the top of the thing. Wouldn't you love to see the room that you've confined yourself in? I mean, do you have like a, like a metal toilet and a sink or something like that? I, look, I never tell people how to spend their money, but... Again, I stand by my comment. Aaron Rodgers is a seriously strange dude, period. Okay. I, I want you to think of, of, a, of a number. And here is, here is the story. Let me kind of back into this. When I was in high school and in college, the best summer jobs that you could get were working for, like, the city or the county. You know, my brother, who's a big-time lawyer, he, he went he went to Marquette. He got a job. He worked for various summers. He worked for, for like, Marquette cutting grass. You know, and it was just, you were outside. You know, it was, um, you know, you were on riding lawnmowers and things like that. You know, so it, he just kind of, he, he enjoyed it. It was, it wasn't back-breaking, overly physical work, but at the same time, you know, you were, you were doing stuff, and it paid really well. When I was in high school, I had friends, or college in particular, I guess, I had friends who got jobs, you know, working for various government entities during the summer, and, and they they made a fortune. Those were the jobs that, you know, you, you typically you needed to know somebody before you could get one of those sort of summer jobs. Well, here's how times have changed. This is the story from uh, Fox 6. Milwaukee County Parks are hosting a hiring event. The event is going to be at the Greenfield Park Pavilion next Wednesday, a week from today, from 2 to 6 p.m. So they're having like this open house. They are um, hosting it, seasonal positions, walk-in interviews, and on-the-spot hiring. On-the-spot hiring. A news release says positions available include park workers, golf maintenance, 
Golf Pro Shop, McKinley Marina Dockhand, Beer Garden Servers, Aquatics Positions, Food and Beverage Team Members, Seasonal Park Rangers, Recreation Admissions Team Members, and more. Hourly rates start at $9.11 per hour and go up to like $19.66 per hour. So it starts from nine eleven and goes up to almost $20 an hour, and, and obviously the, the starting salary is different depending on what the particular job is. Officials say new this year, Milwaukee County Parks is offering a $100 bonus for successful seasonal referrals from returning seasonal staff. Um, so both the new hire and the returning seasonal staff will receive $100 for a successful referral of a seasonal employee. So the idea would be if I worked last summer there doing, you know, whatever, cutting grass on the parks or whatever, and I, I recruited a couple of my friends, they would each get a $100 bonus, and I'd get a $100 bonus on top of, of the gig. So, I mean, again, the, the positions are going to vary, but they're hiring on the spot. So they, they desperately need these people. The event is going to be next Wednesday from 2 till 6 o'clock. Okay, here's my question. And again, I, I, my lead into this was this would be the type of thing that back in the day when I was in high school or I was in college, if you found out that something like this was going on, I'd be down there. All my buddies would be down there because, I mean, inflation adjusted. These, this, is, this is pretty good dough. Um, or at least I, I think maybe, you know, if you're in college, maybe we'd qualify for something that's pretty good dough. But anyhow, I, I guarantee you, you know, 30, 40 years ago, if you had something like this, there would be a line out the door for people applying to work for the park system this summer. Here is my question. I want you to think of a number. I tell you what, I will think of a number for you. Let me pick a number out of the air. A <laughs> hundred. Here is my question. The hiring thing is be going to be going on next next Wednesday, 2 to 6 p.m. Do you believe that more or less than 100 people will show up to interview, check this out, and maybe get hired for the spot? That's my over-under, 100. More people or less people than 100. 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. And if you think it's more or less, my question would be, how many people do you think will turn out? 855-616-1620. More or less than 100 for what strike me is, I don't know, some pretty decent jobs. We discuss in just a moment. One of, our, one of our texters says, Aaron Rodgers, he can come to my house, you know, uh, he can sit in our spare bedroom and we'll all be very, very quiet. 855-616-1620. Okay, so here's my question. Milwaukee County Parks, they need, they've got 500 seasonal jobs. Uh, it, it starts, and it depends on the job, Nine eleven per hour. My guess is that that's probably for the, the 14-year-olds and stuff. goes up to almost 20 bucks an hour, but they're having a, a work fair. Um, you, you can get, you can find out about the jobs. You can get 
hired on the spot. It's in, at the Greenfield Park Pavilion next Wednesday, 2 to 6 p.m. My question is, over or under, will more or less than 100 people show up? 855-616-1620. Jeff, I'm 69 years old, and the park jobs interest me. Where did you say it's happening? I'm looking for a job in retirement. Well, show up, the Greenfield Park Pavilion. You can be one of those um, hundred. Jeff, I think it's going to be significantly less than a hundred. Jeff, I think less, maybe 25%. Nobody wants to work anymore. Stephen West Bend says less, 40% will turn out. Uh, another, let's see, Jeff, 16. Um, okay, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I think you're a little high on the number. I would be surprised. I didn't say it was, I, that was just my over-under number. I think you're a little high. I'd be surprised if it gets even 50 people to show up. Nobody wants to work in this country anymore. That is from Brian. I believe there will be less than 100 applicants. Um, but um, how about some judges make these summer jobs conditional to nonviolent juvenile offenders? 855-616-1620. Gary in New Berlin. Gary, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Gary. How many are going to show uh, up? I, uh, I went to the uh, the uh, hiring event at Mitchell Park like a week and a half ago, and there were probably like eight or ten people there when I was there. And I would say for your number, uh, it's probably going to be less than 100. But what I told your producer, uh, I'm going to go back down there to see if I can get uh, to talk to the guy that I talked to before about my position. Um, I have not heard anything back from them yet, so I just Mm -hmm. am curious about that, if they're going to take me. And, and yes, I am retired. I'm 68 years old. So. so what sort of job? I mean, what, like, what was the what was the range? Now, they they say it's like nine bucks. I assume that's for some really basic entry level stuff. What what was the like? For example, what was the job that you were looking at? If you don't mind sharing, uh, it was uh, for uh, working in the golf pool shop at, at oh, uh, huh. either Greenfield Park or any other yeah. park. And, at, and he yeah. told me it'd be about thirteen bucks an hour. Yeah. Okay. No, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Now that's and again, this is it. It sounds like. I mean, Gary's, I'm sure, a golfer. I'm a golfer. It sounds like it's kind of a, a perfect sort of kind of retirement job that's there. You know, you're a starter on the golf course, or you're taking people's money, and you're answering the phones and stuff. I don't think $13 is a bad I – don't, I don't think that's bad for, a, again, a retirement job. And keep in mind, some people are, are, are mocking this. Well, they only pay like 9 or 10 or $12 an hour. This is a part-time summer job. I mean, this is this is not the type of job that there, you, you make a career out of necessarily. This is something to do in the summer. And again, you know, Gary was a retiree, but I think what they're really targeting it to is the high school kids and you know college kids and things like that. It's a seasonal job, you know, cutting grass, picking up trash in the park, you know, doing those different sort of things. It, it's not going to be your life's work, but it, it's. I think as jobs go, it's probably a pretty decent job. And you know what? My guess is it's going to be a low turnout. I I mean, my guess is you're not going to have hundreds of people that are there. Let's talk to Art downtown. Art, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. um, I'd like to wager 110. I'd like to wager 110 to win 100 on the under, please. 
<laughs> okay, you went the under. Yeah, you don't think they're going to get a hundred people? Yeah, huh? one hundred and ten to win a hundred. I'm going to hold this, hold you to this, Jeff. <laughs> well, I know. I, I see. I know. No, you. I, I. I don't think. I don't. I think that's. Uh, I think that that would be a good bet. That was just what I picked the over. Okay. Well, here's my question. I mean, do you remember? Are, do you remember when, like, like working for the county or, or working for a municipal government, that would be a great, that would be the type of summer job that, that a high school kid or a college kid would kill to get. I mean, I, that's, I mean, I remember that. Apparently, I don't think that's the case anymore. No, absolutely. I mean, it's almost like the lifeguard position when you had, I mean, I'm six over 60 years old. So um, back in the day when you had jobs like this, I mean, you would have an, an enormous line, right? You'd have an enormous line. You, like you said, you and all your yeah. buddies would be down there. In fact, your mom and dad would make you go down there if you didn't, <laughs> yeah. right? And oh, so, yeah. Um, you're, what's that? No, no, you're, you're, Art, thanks for the call. No, you're, you're yeah. right. You, you bring that thing up, but thanks for the call. You bring that stuff about the mom and dad. That, that would be exactly it. Cause that, I mean, the conversation I used to have with my, my parents, and it would be, well, it would be sometime if it wasn't by this time of the year, it would have been shortly after this time of the year. But sometime like in you know late January, early February and stuff, there'd be that subtle conversation around the dinner table about, well, what do you have lined up for the summer? Well, I don't know. You know, I was thinking about doing this or that or the other thing. Yeah, well, that's all well and good. But what do you have lined up for the summer? And would you like me to start making a few calls? And that was always kind of the motivation to try to find something myself, because I I think at least that way I got a little bit of control over it, as opposed to my dad saying, well, I've got so-and-so and and they've got this particular job. And I actually was, was very, very lucky. But I have some friends who who worked, you know, back in the day, they worked at, like, factories during the summer, and they were very, very well compensated. But but that was – it was it was hard work. I, I really uh, I really respected that. Jeff, Biden says the economy is great, so I say 500 are going to show up. Jeff, it's going to be much less uh, than that. Work ethic aside, there are very – there are few younger people who played outside as kids. This sometimes leads to young adults that don't like being outdoors. Nico and Saw says it's going to be a very, very low turnout. No one wants to work. They'd rather be on assistance and will teach their kids to do the same. It's a sad thing. I just, again, I, I don't, I don't know. And, you know, um, one of, you know, one of our, one of our tech, well, I, I'm, let's talk to Randy, Randy in West Bend. Randy, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call, Jeff. Hi, Randy. How many, Hello. how many people are going to show up? Way less than 100. We've got a problem right now with lifeguards all across the yep. country. Uh, West Bend, we closed our pool last year. Not enough yep. lifeguards. Many of the areas had less. I don't think you'll see 20 there. I don't know yeah. what kids do nowadays. I don't know where they get their money or what they do. It, yeah. it, it, it just boggles my mind. Yeah. No, thanks for the call, Randy. I, I appreciate it. And I, I think you're right. I mean, now lifeguards, there, there's an asterisk here because lifeguards you need, you know, you got to get that certificate and, and things like that. So there, there's some extra training that goes involved in that. And, and nowadays, I mean, I've, I've talked to people who've done the lifeguarding and the, the, they say that with in many respects, they're kind of glorified babysitters for kids, for parents who just leave their kids at the pool and then come back like four or five hours or six hours later. Uh, but but regardless, but a lot of these jobs, they, they don't require that, that special certificate. I mean, it's like, here, you, you're, you're going to get hired. You're going to go work in a park, and you're gonna, your job is to, I don't know, drive the cart around and pick up the trash and, and stuff like that. So a lot of these jobs, my guess are, they're very, very low-skill 
sorts of of jobs that are there and you know regular hours and you and some people are saying well you know you, you can't expect kids to only work for nine or ten or eleven dollars but again i don't know it's 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 a job and as far as jobs go i i think you know it could be kind of desirable that that's out there and it seems i mean i can think of a lot of these things would be a lot more fun I, let me put it like this i can think of a lot of other jobs that you could have during the summer that would be a lot less fun even if you made a little bit of money then i don't know uh, doing golf maintenance and, and cutting grass on a on a golf course or you know picking up garbage in parks or things like that recreation admission team members that i mean i, I just the bottom line is maybe kids can do better, but my guess is, my guess is that, and I hope I'm wrong, because you want to fill these positions. That's one of the reasons I'm trying to promote this. I, I'd love to see 2,000, you know, people that, are, you know, kids that are down there, because I think it's good to work for the summers. I'm just saying, I think I agree with almost everybody that if they get a hundred, they're probably going to be lucky, and if out of that hundred, they're able to actually hire 25, they'll be really lucky. The Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday. Here's the deal. Um, it's going to be on Fox Sports. They just announced that all the all the advertisements, all the ad time in the game itself, not before and after, but all the ad time in the game itself has now been, been sold. It's officially sold out. Um, here's the interesting thing. Last year... Last year, that we, we all called it the Crypto Bowl because, you know, you had the cryptocurrency companies, FTX, Coinbase, Crypto.com, and one other one. They were running all the, these ads. They spent all this money. Remember, you had Madonna, and you had Tom Brady, and you had Matt Damon and Larry David, and we were all told that we were just idiots if we didn't invest in cryptocurrency and anything like that. Well, well, guess how many crypto ads are going to be on the Super Bowl this year? Oh, oh yeah, if if you said zero, you would be correct. Um, crypto is out um, in large part because, well, FTX filed for bankruptcy. Its founder was charged in a scheme to defraud investors. What's big this year? Anheuser-Busch gave up its rights to be the exclusive um, Super Bowl sponsor for beer. So um, Anheuser-Busch is going to have three minutes. Heineken. Um, Molson Coors are going to be in it, Doritos, M&Ms, movie studios, streaming services, automakers, and tech companies. All I know is if Good Karma Brands decided to spend like 6 or $7 million for a 30-second ad to promote the Jeff Wagner show <laughs> during during the Super Bowl. Here's the one thing, and we'll, we'll talk about this more you know, as we get closer to it. All I know is if we were going to spend that money to promote the Jeff Wagner show, you would know from the beginning that it was the Jeff Wagner show. There's so many ads that they run that everybody gets so caught up in, oh, wasn't this clever or wasn't that clever or wasn't that interesting? And then you say, yeah, but what was it an ad for? And people go, I don't know. I guarantee you if they were to spend $7 million to promote my show, you'd know that it was an ad for the Jeff Wagner show. Okay, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I'm about to apologize because this this is the segment that might lead to that dreaded condition of earworm. You know that the tune or the, that you just get stuck in in your head. And this is uh, because we've got the Super Bowl coming up in a couple days. Because we've got Super Bowl advertising coming up in a couple days. I, I wanted 
I want to devote a segment to to commercials. And what actually got me thinking about this is there was a big piece in the the Washington Post. If you follow social media, there is one particular ad, a jingle in particular, which has been really going on for the last several months now, which has become the ultimate earworm. Um, And you have... It's broken into like mainstream society in the fact that you've got, I don't know, you've got different groups that are doing their own versions of this as well. And it's remixed along with football commentary and things like that. It has become the earworm of 2022-2023. Fair notice. You know, once you hear this, you do, you, you find yourself humming along. Here is the earworm. Whopper, 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 Junior, Double, Triple, Whopper, Flame Grill taste with perfect toppers, I rule this day. Lettuce, mayo, pickle, ketchup, it's okay if I don't want that impossible, or bacon, Whopper, any Whopper my way. You rule your season today. Whopper, 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 junior or junior double, triple whopper. Yeah, if you've been anywhere near a television screen during a football game in recent months, you know these words, and you know, as the Washington Post describes, that irritatingly catchy melody, and, and maybe in spite of yourself, you find yourself humming it, you find yourself singing along with it. It's stuck in your mind. Even if you don't like Burger King, whopper, 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 junior double, triple whopper, and then it goes on. All right, in honor of the Super Bowl coming up and the fact that this this Burger King uh, tune, this jingle has gone, um, actually has gone kind of viral. I hate that phrase because it's a cliche, but that's exactly what's happened. I thought we would kind of... Take a walk down memory lane, and here's what I would like to discuss with you and my producer, Charlie, and I. We've done a little bit of research because we've got a couple of these as well. My question is, I want you to think about taglines and jingles. You know, the, the catchy tagline or jingle that just, it gets stuck in your mind, and it's been one that has just stayed with you over the years. What do you think is the most memorable jingle ever? 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line we discuss in just a moment. Let's have some fun. Whopper, 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 whopper. Junior, double, triple, whopper. Flame grill taste with perfect toppers. I rule this day. Lettuce, mayo, pickle, ketchup. We're, we're, we're back. Uh, the first text out of the box OMG, my 13-year-old won't stop singing that song. Well, your 13-year-old is is not alone. Um, that, that's, that is a jingle, the earworm that has just kind of like taken over America. And a couple people are correctly pointing out that, yes, that's a, I mean, that, that's just a, a redo of, I mean, Burger King was doing that. Gosh, I, I remember back in the 70s, that was, you know, that was a version of their tune, but they brought it back and people just absolutely love it. Okay, what we're talking about right now is that the, the greatest jingle of all time, that, that jingle that just kind of sticks in your mind, the ultimate um, 
earworm. All right, let's see. Craig and Horicon says, hot dogs, armor hot dogs, they're the dogs kids like to eat. Well, armor hot dogs, I mean, that's, yeah, I know those, and I remember that jingle. There's another, though, hot dog, I think, um, jingle that's, that's probably a lot more popular than that. I think we have that jingle right here. Oh, I'd love to be an Oscar Mayer wiener. That is what I truly like to be. Because if I were an Oscar Mayer wiener, everyone would be in love with me. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you got the, uh, you've got the Oscar Mayer wiener one. Uh, Jeff, for me, it's all the Barry Manilow written ones. Yeah, this was, if you ever, I've seen Barry Manilow in concert once. So I'm in Las Vegas a couple years ago. And, and before... He started, you know, before his his musical career as a performer, you know, really took off. He he wrote jingles. Um, his his two, his his three most fav his three most famous ones were he did the band aids one. You know, I'm stuck on band aids and band aids are stuck on me. Um, he did the McDonald's one. You deserve a break today. And then he did the Dr. Pepper one, too. You know, I'm a pepper, you're a pepper, he's a pepper, too. Uh, 855-616-1620. Okay, here's one. Um, this actually makes the list of the top ten jingles of all time. 588-2300-EMPIRE. Remember that one? 800-588-2300-EMPIRE. Today. <laughs> Got that one there. Um, let's see. How about my baloney has a first name? It's O-S-C-A-R, right? You've got that there. Um, let's see. Another one from McDonald's. Two all-beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, toasted onions on a sesame seed bun or something like pickles on a sesame seed bun. Yeah, that was uh, the big one. Uh, a number of people mentioning the Oscar Mayer Wiener song. Yeah, if um, if you look at jingles and songs, this one, a lot of people are saying, I'd like to buy the world a Coke um, back when they were doing those ads. That was that was definitely huge. Also making the list, a number of you are mentioning uh, for Alka-Seltzer, you know, um, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. We've got that one there. 855-616-1620. Let's see. Um, uh, Well, it's not a jingle, but, of course, locally, uh, Doug from Mosquito says, how about one call, that's all? Well, that's, you know, that that's certainly, at least in the Milwaukee area, that's had a big deal. number of people are mentioning Clara Pella and the Peller and the old Wendy's ads, Where's the Beef? I don't know if you, and again, this is one, it, it, it kind of... It sort of depends on, on how old you are. But Wendy's in the early 1980s did this, this campaign. And, and what they were what they were trying to advertise and introduce themselves to the public is the point was Wendy's have these big hamburgers. And like the McDonald's hamburgers, and this was the argument at the time, and Burger King or whatever, they're really small. So what they did is they had this ad with these three older women um, who were like sitting around and in Clara Peller at the time she was like 80 years old and um, they were sitting around a a fast food company and they're they're served you know a hamburger bun and they open up the hamburger bun and there's a really tiny hamburger patty on it and um, Clara Peller looks um, going where's the beef and then they, they had her where's the beef and where's the beef and where's the beef that campaign was huge drove Wendy's sales absolutely and totally through the roof but what happened was um, they didn't have an exclusive contract with Clara Peller. And so what she did is she started doing commercials for, like, other 
products and Wendy's got hacked off and, and Wendy's ended up firing her and getting rid of the campaign. And actually, it, it kind of hurt Wendy's sales because they, they thought that, you know, she was doing ads for um, competing businesses. 855-616-1620. We're talking about the uh, great sort of ads. All right. Here is one. You have probably heard it. Charlie, do we have the Kit Kat uh, ad? One, two, one, two, three, four. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. You can keep it to yourself, but it wouldn't be fair. Because that chocolate crispy taste is loved everywhere. So give me a break. Give me a break. Break me off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. There you go. Yes, see the Kit Kat bar. That's that is on the list as well. Okay, Marty in Oak Creek. Marty, you're on WTMJ. Hi, I I just remembered a beer commercials. When you're out of Schlitz, you're out of you're beer. Out of be- <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the call, Marty. I remember the ad, and and you get extra points for for singing it. Yeah. That. The Schlitz, and remember, as long as we're talking about what was it was Ham's, the land of sky blue water from the lands of sky blue water. Yeah, you had all those great things that were there. Bonnie in Greenfield. Bonnie, you're on WTMJ. Uh, you're going to regret this, but this one has to be done with a this has to be done with a dinosaur fist bump. But ready? Okay. See the USA in your Chevrolet. America's asking you to call. <laughs> oh, hey, that, hey, Bonnie! I, I don't regret that. Oh, you, you could care. You were in tune there. You know, you. What did they used to say on American Idol? It was kind of pitchy. That wasn't pitchy at all. You get extra credit for doing that. <laughs> thanks, right. thanks for the I call. I'll give you the I, money tomorrow. Oh, God, I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't, the check will be in the mail. Um, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. Oh, now we're going back in time. Brill cream, a little dab will do you. Um, yeah, Ernie von Schlater, who do you know wants to buy a car? We've always had that. Let's see. Um, a lot of great texts that are coming in. Um, I, a lot of people on the, the Toys R Us kids one. Um, oh, yeah, um, Sometimes I feel like a nut. Sometimes I don't. Those are the almond, the almond joy ads. Yeah, that was another one. That would be kind of an earworm. A number of people are mentioning the Kit Kat ad we just played. You know, give me a break. Give me a break. Um, give me a break off a piece of that Kit Kat bar. Uh, the Toys Are Us ad. Uh, I'm trying to look through here to make sure we get uh, a lot of the things um, that are out there. Right, the J.G. Wentworth one. All right, that's the... You know, have a structured settlement, need cash now. Um, right, another texter goes along with Bonnie. See the USA in your Chevrolet. Um, that's it. Um, it's time to make the donuts. Right, that wasn't a song, but that was a state. Right, um, Alka-Seltzer, plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Our friend and travel companion, Rose Gray, weighs in on that one. Number of people with the, uh, let's see, with the Big Macs as well. Let's talk to um, Brian in Wauwatosa. Brian, you're in WTMJ. How are you doing? Hi, Brian. I'm good. What do you think? Hello. Who doesn't remember the address for Hall Chevrolet? Yep. Right. right. 1107 what? West Park Avenue. Right. 
Hall Chevrolet. Nope, absolutely great local ad, and, and they did a they did a great job of that. Thanks for the call. Okay, so I, I pulled up in, in anticipation of this and the the advertising jingles. Like I say, right now that, that Burger King one has gone just absolutely viral. Here's the um, and you can find different lists, but th- this is a pretty good one. Top nine, number nine, Alka Seltzer, plop plop, fizz fizz. Number eight, Huggies. I'm a big kid now. Number seven, Lucky Charms. They're magically delicious. Number six, State Farm. Like a good neighbor. Number five, Empire. We played that one, the 800 number. Number four, Subway. $5 foot long. Do we have that one, Charlie? And, of course, there were variations of that. Number three, we played it. I wish I was an Oscar Mayer wiener. Number two, Kit Kat, give me a break. And, and actually, at least in, in the list I'm looking at, the number one advertising jingle of all time, it's McDonald's. It's not I'd like to teach the world to sing. It's I'm loving it. I'm not sure that I would agree with that, but that's this particular list. Okay, the bottom line is, if, if you've got that whopper, 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 whopper in your head, I apologize. If you've got some of these other jingles in your head, I apologize. But, hey, it's Super Bowl week. We're all going to be looking at ads. 